Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Pollock and Thurston. Same era, same show. How are you, Brandon? Yes. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I am uh, looking forward to this new era. What a, what a discussion point that we had out of uh, Tuesday's media call with Tony Khan. We will get into all of that. My first question what is, is it you, could be anything. We speculate by the pay-per-view. That's all he cares about. Um, but this past week, what, what was more creeping into your feed? Rupert Murdoch content versus Taylor Swift content this week. Oh, definitely Taylor Swift. Oh my God. Like I've been inundated. Like I am just, she attended a football game. Like this was just yeah. like, stop the presses. You just see the chiefs are selling more tickets now. Like what is the thought process yeah. that maybe I can be in a stadium where she's an enclosed glass thousands of uh, meters away from me. The power of Taylor Swift at the moment is at its maximum. Her drawing power is at its absolute peak at, at this time. Um, Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame season is coming up. I think we need to, to consider that. So uh, she, she's a huge draw right now, and she's selling out state. I don't know if the, the tour is still happening, but she was selling out stadiums night after night in the, you know, the same stadium three or four times in a row and just going around the country like that. Um, there was a big push for her to come to Canada. And this was like SummerSlam weekend that the lottery started. She booked the Rogers Center, the former Sky Dome, six nights, okay, six nights at Rogers Center. You had to enter, and my wife entered this. I know Davey Portman entered this. They couldn't even win the opportunity to spend this money, six sellouts immediately. So I, I, I may or may not live with the Swifty, and I've, I've been through this drama and this ordeal before. Um, yes. They're, they are coming to Toronto, but it's this like is, this is November of next year. She's coming uh, for, for six right. That's nights. The international part of it. And she's going to Wembley. Probably, probably going to break the all in record. I don't know Which we won't find out because she's she's also very anti Polestar. We've learned on this uh, era. Well, well, hey, all you got to do is send an email to the Brent uh, City Council, the city center, and they, they will eventually, I think, respond to you. We are going to get into this. Um, the, the state of Will Ospreay's tattoo. Is it dated or outdated? We're going we're gonna to find out. Um, as a, I would love to have Will Ospreay on this show just to chat about attendance figures and, and what, what he is making uh, of all well, of this. He's a free agent soon, right? So he probably needs the publicity. He, he is more than welcome to join us. A man who will be joining us today, who might get a Pollock and Thurston tattoo after today, is Josh Nason from the Wrestling so Observer site. He is going to be uh, joining us a little later on. We'll talk about um, the new era of AEW. SmackDown to USA and whatever else is going on. Uh, Josh, always, always great to chat with. He's got the same kind of uh, uh, interest in the minutia as the two of us do. So always fun. And uh, the co-host of the AEW quarterly investors yeah. calls with Brandon Thurston as well. Yes, that'll, that'll be coming up. And uh, I think it's just after the WWE earnings call happens. So probably in a month and a half or so. Yeah, probably about the halfway point. Well, let's start off with uh, Tony Khan's media call from Tuesday and a lot covered uh, throughout this call headline though, that I didn't see on any sites was the fact that 
as a young child, Tony Khan had a rotation of three t-shirts, a Taz shirt, not the Tasmanian devil, but rather uh, Pete Sinertia, Darth Vader, and an Anoki Peace Festival shirt. Those were his three t-shirts that he rotated through as a, as a young man. So the Anoki Peace Festival Festival was an LA show that he did? Yes. Yes. That would have been the, uh, um, the show that I think is the one where Bischoff first saw Chris Jericho, I think. Bischoff attended this show. World Wrestling Peace Festival, uh, 1996, June 1st. Okay. So that would have placed, how old would Tony have been there? Like 13, 14 years old? About he's that. Like, he's like two years older than me or something. So, yeah, something like that. I think he's a year older than me. So that probably puts him at around 13 at, at this time. But there, there you go. Those are the three t-shirts. So uh, I didn't see a lot of focus on, on this interesting little, uh, biographical note on Tony Khan, but he did speak a lot about AEW's, uh, increasing pay-per-view schedule. And as it relates to, uh, the potential of a streaming model that they're going towards. And Tony was quick to note, I have never said that we are going to monthly pay-per-views. It's just working out that way when you consider uh, AEW and its chief closest competitor, Ring of Honor. Separate company. Separate after, company. After the pay-per-view uh, lands, landscape uh, as well. So he has essentially stated that uh, he is thinks the time is right to increase their schedule, but reserving judgment about whether it will be a monthly model that we see them uh, move to in 2024. Yes, which will also mean monthly media calls. Um, but it has since. So we've, we've talked about this before. I think it's February is the last month that there has that there was not either an AEW or a Ring of Honor pay per view in it. Um, why is the time right? I'm guessing that the time is right because you're in, you're in the middle of negotiating a deal with WBD that may involve pay per view rights. Whether that's going to be on the Mac streaming service or not, that's probably what's driving this. And um, and a, a really big roster too. It, it, I suppose it doesn't hurt to have more more shows to get everybody in on. He also threw out this idea. I think we, we should uh, play this clip. And this was him talking about sort of their idea about taking on a, a streaming strategy and what he is not interested in when it comes to uh, the, the, the streaming option. So here's Tony Khan from Tuesday's call. I think there's a potential for more events and what the cadence is, whether it's monthly or eight. 10, 11, or, or 12. I don't. I haven't decided the exact number yet, but I do think there's an appetite for more events. Warner Brothers Discovery is really excited about doing more events. Uh, like with all media deals where there's mutual interest, there's a lot of work that would need to go into it to figure out uh, how that would uh, pay everybody because I have no interest in doing like a tryout You know, at this point. We've been doing this for three and a half years. I'm not going to do a, a six-month, nine-month tryout on streaming. I don't think that makes any sense for any of us. So, uh, you know, I think we've built it to the point where uh, there's a really, really big fan base for our major events. As we've shown this year, it's bigger than ever worldwide. So this brings me back to a a very um, relatable analogy, Brandon, when we were discussing uh, doing this show together and I was stating, well, let's uh, let's try it out and we'll we'll see, like, maybe maybe we'll go a week here, a week there. And Brandon try. was like, I'm not interested in a tryout period. We're either doing it weekly or we're not doing it at all. And I, I was on board right there. So it was very, uh, very firm outlined by Brandon Thurston. And that's what Tony Khan is outlining here. He's not interested. The, fa- the funny part is 
I have not heard about the, this like tryout thing anywhere. So I would assume that this is Tony Khan alluding to something that has at least been broached as a, a potential. And the fact is that there's only one streaming service he could be in talks with, which would be Max and would seem like this was at least, uh, let's do a soft launch of AEW pay-per-views. And I don't think he's interested in the idea of nine months later going backwards to a pay-per-view model after testing out streaming. It's either we're going this direction or we're not going this direction. And I certainly don't fault him for um, not wanting to just muddy the waters and potentially have to backtrack if this doesn't work out. Yeah. The, the thing with these calls, and were you listening live to this one? I was not. No, I was out with my okay. daughter. So I, uh, he, Tony Khan loves to talk and, uh, but I, but he doesn't like to say very much. Because I think there, he knows that there's new, among other reasons, perhaps there's news sites that are ready to to grab anything that he says and make a news story out of it. Um, so you have to kind of read in between the lines, and there's there's more of that than just this subject to come. Um, and it sounds like he's talking about maybe he was offered, and who else would he be offered such a tryout streaming deal by? He seems pretty monogamous when it comes to his media partner, at least in the U.S., and that would have to be WBD. And I would think it would have to be where else would he? he be offered a streaming uh, tryout, if not on Max, um, and so Netflix is brand loyal to Ohio Valley Wrestling, so couldn't be there, right? Right. I, we, we don't know the terms of that deal, whether it's exclusive or not. But um, no, I, I guess that's what he's referring to, you know. And he's it, it sounds like he's making it clear that he wants a long term commitment for streaming rights for some of their content, probably pay per views, library, next day rights, to be part of the next deal. Um, and that's, you know, that that's going to be really incremental based, you know, compared to what they're giving WBD now, which is three weekly shows. Um, we know that there's some sort of ex- exclusivity that was part of the dark shows going away from YouTube. Um, so that, you know, that's incremental content that's going to be part of the next deal, not just, hey, we've done good ratings or at least, you know, Dynamite and to some extent Collision have done good ratings through these years. Give us an upgrade because of that. But. They're gonna give. We're gonna give you more content. Is is what AW wants to do. In addition to that, does it surprise you at all that if we go back to June when they announced All In, but not a dis- distribution method, and the fact that All Out was going to be the next week, that this was at least in their mind had to be like. Do you feel like this was along further enough that they felt pretty confident in going with these back-to-back weekends? Or do you think it wasn't as big of an issue for them if, okay, this deal might not work out and worst case, we just run pay-per-views on consecutive weekends. It seems like that would be something that to commit to those two shows on back-to-back weekends, they had to have thought that this is, this is more than just we're, we're, you know, kicking the tires on this idea that there was at least enough progress in these talks that one of those shows would have been on max. Yeah, I, I I would speculate that the, just the scheduling, the availability of Wembley Stadium probably played into it. Um, but yeah, I, I think they probably thought that maybe we can make some sort of deal to put this on Max. But if not, we'll just make it two pay per views, and that's that's what happened. Yeah, you know, my belief is that Max just didn't have the streaming capability. Well, and and or they just couldn't come to a deal that was agreeable for everybody um, in time for that to happen. So it was just two pay per views, as we know. And also, uh, this takes us into, so a spot aired over the weekend about, uh, and voiced by Tony Khan that AEW, they would be introducing a new era at Wrestle Dream this coming Sunday in Seattle. So this was a frequent subject that was brought up on the call. And one of the theories that has been thrown out there 
is the idea that Tony Khan has purchased New Japan Pro Wrestling. His ultimate tribute to Antonio Inoki is to buy back Antonio Inoki's founded company from 1972 and bring it back to Inoki all these years later after he was uh, removed in favor of uh, Ukes and then to Bushi Road. This is this is going to be Tony Khan's gift to uh, Simon Inoki. Here is your. Where, where, where did this Where did this rumor originate from? I can't even tell you where the origins of. Where this. did you hear hear of it first? Oh, maybe from <laughs> when I say from you, I in the in the form of either you tweeting about it or you messaging me. Have you seen any of this? Uh, would mm. probably have been. So, somebody brought brought to my attention a uh, a tweet that someone made, and uh, it had it was like a record from some Florida state government website uh, showing that you know some, some sort of uh, record that gets generated when you create an LLC or a company or something like that and uh, you know it, it, it looked like somebody was making a fake record or I think they were making a joke that probably most people weren't in on uh, making it look like you know the president of the company was Anthony Khan and the, the VP you know sort of cut off Phil Brooks so uh, I mean that's it was clearly fake um, and what was the story from a few years ago where it was Tony Khan? Was it like he was running for office or something? It was yes. like, a, and that was a, was a real record that was really on the FEC.gov website, but it was like somebody somehow generated this record that was not, it was not something that he created. Okay. Okay. That's I, gonna, I was, it, it, the record indicated that he was going to run for Congress or something, <laughs> something wild. I, re- I remember this. <laughs> so, I mean, he's going to run just... for Congress in Florida. Yeah. So anyway, so this thing has like taken, you know, uh, gathered some traction, and this is how it was addressed on the call by Tony Khan regarding this this rumored uh, purchase of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, I want to continue that partnership for a very, very, very long time, and right now we have something very good going. Um, so I, I'm a little surprised by all that speculation. I don't know where it came from exactly, but it's probably good timing to have a lot of speculation on the eve of Wrestle Dream, and I'm glad that we got a lot of people talking. Uh, certainly, that that one video with all the great clips of Mr. Anoki and some of the top stars of today spliced in. I thought that got people talking. So that was a very positive thing. So later, uh, Bill Pritchard would push him a bit further on this, like pretty much taking his uh, non-answer and state, is there anything you want to like just uh, debunk and uh, clarify? And Tony's like, I don't wish to clarify anything. I just want people to buy the pay-per-view. So this is one where, listen, if people are going to like just run with this and throw it out there, it might be based in complete fantasy. But Tony Khan is doing nothing in terms of trying to just um, nip this in the bud or just uh, debunk it. I don't know how this correlates to people purchasing a pay-per-view, um, but I guess Tony sees that when, any, when any talk question, is good talk. When the first question was asked... Uh, I, I, I said to someone, if he's not going to debunk something that's so obviously fake, wh- why are we doing this? What are we doing here? If it, if he's not going to debunk something that was clearly not reality, it was clearly not something that was happening. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating sometimes because he's evasive. He doesn't really want to say anything, but he wants to have this call. And it's like, what are, what are we, we're, we're, we're trying to get some, some sort of transparency, some sort of information here. And, and when, even when it comes to something that's like, Obviously, that's fake. Why? You, you, and, it's, and it's your partner. Like, I, I would think, you know, I don't know how New Japan would feel about it. Ah, maybe they don't care. But um, it's, a, it's a little frustrating. And like a public company, too, in Bushi Road on, on, on top yeah. of it. I mean, it is. I mean, I don't know if this story would necessarily uh, 
result in, you know, any kind of, um, well, it, that would be a better question for anyone in, in Japan. Uh, it seems like even in wrestling, this is not like a giant story, but it was bigger after this media call when you do have the, the head of AEW commenting on it and not, uh, debunking it. But it does take me back to that. Paul it's sort quote. of debunk it later though, at, at least. Yeah, s- somewhat. Yes. Um, not explicitly. Not explicitly. I mean, it could have just been, listen, that is untrue. I have not purchased our, we, we are working with New Japan. We have not purchased them. That, that would have been one way to uh, just, just address it. But when Paul Levesque a few months ago was stating how, you know, 75% of the stuff out there, it's, a, it's, it's false anyway. But then yeah, when yeah. you, when it is clear that something is untrue and you opt not to address it and just let it run, you can't also complain then about incorrect news then circulating when you have the ability when people will reach out for you for a comment is is this accurate or not and if it's not that's a very easy kill the story this was the nfl and there was some analogous situation would he do the same thing or is it just the the case that wrestling is so based on producing hype and getting people to buy and tune in based on that hype that maybe it's different but it does feel like it's something where wrestling is treated differently and it's okay to be more evasive and, and to hype and, and to sort of play games rather than just be forthright. I, I would say just looking as well, just the different way it is covered. If say a, a Tokyo sports reached out to new Japan, I don't think new Japan is giving this level of an answer. I think new Japan would be very concrete in yes or no. Um, and not so much just kind of with a wink and a nod towards it. And, and does it, does it really help though? Like, does it make, does I guess the, the the strategy overall of this is not the first time where a big announcement has been teased for AEW, whether that's on an episode of Dynamite or even the pay-per-views themselves, right? Does it how much does it really help draw a rating or a, or a, or a pay-per-view buy? Well, I think the idea of this new era, um, I think people are curious as to what it means. It means something, and you're going to get that answer. And I think Tony's idea is. I'm not going to say no to anything because it just lets people's minds go wild. And I've got to have the confidence that whatever this reveal is, it's going to be satisfying, even if it's not the announcement of a, I bought New Japan, for instance. I think he is not going to rule anything out. Just let everyone's minds go wild. And hopefully they will be so curious as to buy this pay-per-view on Sunday. I mean, it's worked in the past for this company when it has teased announcements and news. And typically they have not 100%, but a good percentage of them have been newsworthy events that have been the result of it. You, you can point to the, the rumor that CM Punk is, is coming to AEW and not selling out the, the United Center. And that probably, the, the fact that they didn't just announce that up front and say CM Punk is coming to AEW, um, I suppose that you could argue, you could argue that, that that led to a bigger, um, greater momentum in, in media and people talking and speculating and and spreading word that something interesting is happening in AEW. Now you, uh, you asked him about the potential of Fox staying in the pro wrestling business. Now that they have uh, distanced themselves from the SmackDown rights that will expire uh, this time next year, we're almost exactly a year out from SmackDown's end on Fox. And if Fox would be interested in bidding and Tony Khan very much, uh, deferred to you know we we are not going to very much a, a speech about loyalty in the entertainment business something that we do not see too much of but he is very loyal to wbd but did work in there the fact 
it would make a lot of sense for a Fox to bid for us and expects a lot of bidders for AEW's content. And I think the Fox is a, it's a really interesting option. Like it's, it's not just the last five years, but really it's the last uh, decade plus when you combine their relationship with the UFC straight into WWE. Like this is a network that has been very tied to pro wrestling and combat sports and looking at you know, staying in that, like, certainly there was an appetite for it. They made the conscious decision of not going after the UFC rights and seeing WWE as a more valuable option for them on Friday nights. And if you are looking at AEW as a more cost-effective way towards that audience, like perhaps a a 0.5, a 0.6 on Fox is not enough to justify your 200 plus million. But as we've spoken about, I, I don't think it would take that amount to secure AEW programming, whether it be on a Fox or more realistically a FS1 option. Yeah. So I think, I mean, there's a lot of directions to go from here. There's the fact that, that AEW is so new, so that maybe we should temper our expectations in terms of expecting them to shop the rights aggressively, as opposed to WWE that's been around for decades and decades. It's a very well-known name brand. And AEW is newer, so maybe they don't have the flexibility to, to, to be that ambitious about shopping the rights around to multiple partners, as we've seen WWE do with Raw and SmackDown since 2018. Um, so maybe it's, it's because for that reason. Not only is it good for AEW to solidify its relationship, its most important business relationship with WBD, um, maybe it's not only good for, for that reason, but but it's the safer thing to do because maybe maybe you do uh, you know weaken that relationship and maybe you're not well known enough, you don't you don't present value enough to for it to make sense financially to split the rights or to shop the rights around. I don't know, and 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 another thing is I don't have a clear view of what the mechanics are of these negotiations. And I know nobody who's involved in them now is going to, to, to tell me, but like, how does this really go? Like for, for instance, for one thing, this deal with WBD is going to expire. He said the end of 2024, did, did he, did he give away that the option has been renewed? I don't know. I think so. Um, so that's going to expire. Is there an exclusive negotiating window in this deal? like there is for the WE deals that would, once it expires, if it has not expired already, would that allow AEW to negotiate with other partners? And, and if so, how does that happen? Is there, is there a, is there a, a bidding process similar to the bidding process that is described in the WE filings when it came to the, the transaction of the company in, in terms of there was like a round of bidding and then a second round of bidding does it become like that or is it is or is it like just you know executives sitting across a, a huge conference room table from each other you know passing uh you know numbers on napkins back and forth i i, I just don't know how how the mechanics of, of these deals are made and how negotiating with other partners really works out but but clearly that's an element in all of the major sports rights um so i, th- I think anyway with fox I think it does make sense for Fox to at least look into it. I think the the depth of these media companies is easy for the average observer, wrestling fan to underestimate. They're, these are big corporations that have probably big research teams, and, and there's probably somebody looking into it at, at every major media company, including Fox. Um, does it fit on Fox broadcast? Is it going to replace SmackDown uh, on Fox broadcast? Um, this notion, I, I, I got a lot of angry, um, 
quote tweets, got a, got some, a very long hate email because I explained this on Twitter, how, how this might make sense. Um, it, but it is, <laughs> it is similar to other things we've seen in wrestling history, right? Where, you know, W went away from uh, TNN in the mid two thousands and it was kind of replaced by, by uh, TNA. Um, UFC was already kind of getting in there in the first place, but, but it, it, it did result in, you know, T- I mean, look at TNN, like they got rid of ECW and replaced it with WWF and then WWE went away and they kind of replaced it with total nonstop action. They replaced, so, um, when UFC left for Fox, they, they not only replaced it with Bellator, but uh, Viacom took a, an ownership stake in, in Bellator as well. Like there is a, like that specific network, like there's, there's a long history of going with the, the number two company at the time and so there may be some reasons that explain that i don't really i can't articulate maybe you know you got ad sales teams that feel like they know how to sell this product to advertisers you don't have the product anymore well can we get a different a different similar product in here so maybe things like that are a part of it uh that could make fox willing to take on uh, a secondary wrestling brand does it make sense on fox broadcast probably not but but fs1 maybe it does um but why why would Fox consider an AEW product when they when they're letting go of the biggest wrestling TV show in terms of viewership in the United States, SmackDown? Uh, because AEW is a lot cheaper than WWE content is. Uh, by the hour, SmackDown costs about a hundred million dollars per hour year round, and AEW, if you average it out it's something like 15 million dollars year round it's a fraction and this next right cycle will will result in that gap closing at least somewhat right we know that the viewership of AEW is maybe like half that depending on how you're comparing it's like half of what WWE is but the the gap in money is many times that so that's one reason why it makes some sense because it's just a cost effective way to get a good amount of viewership and maybe half the viewership that WWE provides, maybe a third of the viewership that WWE provides, but it's going to be a smaller fraction of the cost. And I also wouldn't, I don't think this would be the make or break, but I wouldn't discount the, the capital that the Khan family has as NFL owners in this, in this whole thing. Like you have to imagine there are existing relationships there and there's obviously the relationship of Fox with uh, professional wrestling. Like I would, I would certainly not be dismissing Fox as completely out of the pro wrestling business. It just got too, too cost prohibitive for them to stay in the WWE business. Um, but someone who we are in the business of, it's the Josh Nason business, which is always booming over at wrestlingobserver.com joining us now. Hello, Josh. How are you? Hey guys, how you doing? This is a, this is an honor to be here. I love this show. I love WrestleNomics, post wrestling and to be invited here. This is uh this is great. This is I've been looking forward to this all day since I've been asked, and I uh, can't wait to be here. So hopefully I don't screw it up. Josh, Josh very, very, very enthusiastic when I asked uh, yesterday. Absolutely. We, yeah. we appreciate having you here, and I hope there have been no yellow jackets. I have seen some yellow jackets today. I was outside earlier today, and there were numerous yellow jackets near me, none, none in my vicinity at this moment, though, and I hope for you it's the same. Same here. No yellow jackets will fly in my window. I'll not have to run away. Uh, but I, I share your disdain for these flying beasts, especially if you're trying to enjoy like lunch outside or drinks or something like that. And they swarm over. I, I wish I was one of those people that could just like not be scared of, of uh, not be concerned with them, but I just don't like them around and I get ridiculed because of it. So I was glad in that recent episode of WrestleNomics where you do fight. I was man. attacked. 
Yes, you were. And uh, yeah. I applaud your effort for staying strong, continuing with the show. They think it was a, a great move by you. Yeah. Well, Actually, before we recorded last week, I, in my office here, I don't know how it happens. I have like a completely sealed window. And somehow every year, wasps show up on this window. And mm. I just, I, ha- I had to remove one. I don't kill them. I like put them in a Tupperware container and I throw the Tupperware container outside. That's your problem. You see that? I just got <laughs> Well, it was uh, quite the sting that the WWE stock took last week after yes. this deal came down involving uh, NBC Universal that swooped in and took the, the Friday night rights to SmackDown. So you've had a week to digest this, Josh. And how do you look at this uh, SmackDown move for WWE and what it means for their larger media picture when it comes to Raw and, by extension, AEW? Like, we could certainly see wrestling's version of musical chairs over this next uh, 12 to 18 months. Yeah, boy. I, I think like most people, I was fascinated by it. Fascinated that, you know, USA and NBC Universal have this institution that is Monday Night Raw and have had this for for decades. I mean, obviously, they, they went to TNN and, and all that. But generally, when you associate Monday Night Raw, you associate it with being on USA Network. So USA Network decides to throw a curveball and say, okay, we're going to put this, assuming it's going to be on Fridays, it's just that from a a branding standpoint, they're going to have to reintroduce a whole new audience to say, okay, it's going to be on this day instead. It It's strange to me. And since it's strange, it must mean that there's something going on. And I I don't know. It's, uh, you know, the stock market obviously did, did not really respond well to the news. I think they're a little bit underwhelmed. Uh, Grant, I think the stock was going to go down anyway. If, you, if anyone's been paying attention to the current stock market, especially today and yesterday, it's been tanking. So not, not good science for us economy, but yeah, it's, uh, there's some, something, I think when we finally find out where raw is going to go, we're going to be like, aha, that was it. If it was a streaming service, if it was NBC universal all along, there's some reason why these rights went first and they didn't stick with the, um, they didn't stick with the incumbent day of money, which had been the easy thing to do. So there's, there's something, there's something there that we're going to be like in a month, two months, six months from now, a year from now, going to be like, aha, that, that's exactly why we should have seen it coming. And Brandon, has your thought changed at all over this last week? Because um, one of the things you stated on your show this past Sunday that, I mean, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but it, it certainly to me would strike me as odd if NBC Universal in whatever time frame then suddenly announces a renewal for Raw, like instead of just having this, this nice, neat and tidy package of WWE is all under the NBC Universal umbrella. WWE comes to USA multiple nights uh, per week. But I mean, it is for months we have just assumed it was a given that Raw on Monday nights would be, uh, you know, the least uh, or the easiest to predict. And the SmackDown one, I think, caught everyone off guard. Yeah, it seems like NBC has made an efficiency decision to to forego the, the three-hour show and the two hours of NXT that come with it and to take the two-hour show that is SmackDown that uh, that will cost them a little bit less and they'll still be able to get the prestige of being a highly ranked, well-performing uh, cable network for, for USA. Um, but yeah, I, I would be surprised if they took Raw. You know, I, I, I don't see them making half, of the, half a deal and then making the rest of it later. Usually these things get all, if it was one partner, all get announced at one time, unless, you know, things really go badly with the raw rights and, and you know, there, there's nobody left to, to give it to except for NBC Universal. But Amazon Prime seems like a contender. Disney with some, some 
combination uh, of, of F- FX and or ESPN Plus maybe um, seem like the, the likeliest candidates. Um, we, we also had a, a thought experiment around WBD if they want to get completely into wrestling. I guess that's a possibility. Well, they, they won't get SmackDown, but I guess they could get Raw and NXT. And Josh, just looking at you know the night of the week debate, when you're assessing Raw and we're just seeing what the first couple of weeks of Monday Night Football have meant to WWE, like outside of it being the traditional wrestling night for most fans for their lifetime, is it becoming tougher to look at Monday nights when we're talking like four months out of the year Mm -hmm. that we are going to be, you know, not everyone's top priority? Or do do you feel like that's that's too much of a of a risk to be shopping different nights of the week? You know, I think if we've learned anything from this era of TV rights, um, how we watch TV, whatever you consider TV. I think, you know, obviously a lot of people consider YouTube TV, which I think when it first launched, I don't think any of us would have ever considered that, but here we are in 2023. I think that they are, I think it, it's interesting that they're taking the approach of, we're not just going to stick with the status quo. Things can move around anywhere because people will follow it. And I think to an extent that's true. I think with DVRs, with the fact you can watch from pretty much anywhere, you can take you can take WWE with you, so to speak. I would not be surprised to say, okay, we're going to go on Tuesdays, we're going to avoid the NFL, and then we're going to move NXT somewhere else and just not not worry about. There are two obviously the two main concerns are you know SmackDown and Raw. So yeah, it's uh I would not be surprised to see them do that. And it's a culture shock for us. But it's also we're also in the wrestling bubble so much, right? And I I'm so curious what the the fringe fans and and all that do they care? Are they just going to find it no matter what? You know, that's it's a midweek day. It's Monday that much different than Tuesday. It potentially be better. I don't know. I, I would not be surprised to see that because the NFL it just it doesn't slow down. You guys have talked about it previous shows and and so on that you know the NFL now doing the the two games a week in some weeks and they're doing the simulcasting now. It's uh it's it's hard to beat that. And you're, you're up against that for four straight months at least. So to avoid that for, you know, a, a good portion of the year, that seems to be pretty enticing to me, especially if you move to Tuesdays, even if it wasn't a streaming service, at least you're avoiding that crunch of, was it 24 million that watched that, that initial bills jets game, whatever the number was, that's a good slice as potentially your audience could be watching. So I, I, I can see them doing a Tuesday Friday thing just to avoid it. And that's going to be our new institution for, I don't know, maybe the next five years until the next deal comes up, right? How, how do you watch Raw uh, weekly? Like, you're also a football fan, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Like, w- like dur- during this time of the year, like, how do you follow Raw? Is it, like, appointment viewing every Monday night? And and do you typically, like, watch football over uh, WWE live on a Monday night? Sure. I'm a football fan, but I'm not a, a diehard Monday night football fan. Like, I, I you know, I get my my fill for my Patriots every weekend and also some other stuff on Sunday afternoons. But, you know, typically we're watching, uh, I'm, I'm married and my wife cannot stand wrestling. So I have to wait until she goes to bed to, uh, to put on anything. Usually it's uh, a little bit of fast forwarding. Um, again, depending on kind of what the buzz is, is there some interesting segments I need to go back and watch YouTube the next day is a good, uh, a good option. Kind of the, the, the big hits. Um, you know, I find now these days it's so much easier to follow by listening to recap shows than necessarily sitting through three hours every single week. Cause as you guys know, and I've talked about, and I know John, you believe you did someone post on this this week that, you know, this week alone for wrestling fans, there's like what 18 to 19 hours with WWE and AEW. Let's be realistic. Who's watching all that. It's very hard to do that. There's going to be some hardcores that do, 
there's also a lot of people just like, this is just too much. I'm going to pick and choose and fast forward a lot. And it's kind of the reality that we're in. So I, uh, I'm more of a fast forwarding person, rewinding person, trying to find the segments that people are talking about the most. And then, uh, you know, occasionally if it's like, Oh, I may have missed something that I thought was going to be kind of, I didn't need to see. I may go check it out the next day. Um, I follow the buzz, put it that way. I, I just like, agree. Like how, uh, sorry, go ahead. Ahead. I would like, how important is it or how much of a problem is it to like, to be a completionist and to not be a completionist? I guess I think John and we uh, were, were having a conversation about this the other night. Like, you know, do you, do you watch every Blue Jays game? Probably not, but that's, but, but it, maybe that is different from a wrestling show where you, where there's a, a continued storyline. And if you miss part of it, you miss something major, like, or are people just catching enough of the information? They they hear about what's going on on social media if they're not watching it uh, on television itself. Like, how important is it, and how much of a deterrent is it to to continuing to be a fan if you're not watching all of it? Yeah, I think in this era of social media, that it is you don't have to be a completionist to keep up. Um, I use myself an example with AEW, with you know they uh, you know as most people do summertime's vacations, things like that. I would miss a rampage or there's one week I was gone completely and didn't get to see a collision rampage. And I think dynamite, I think I was gone for kind of like a week stretch or something like that. And, and uh, was trying to keep and basically could keep up via social uh, posts on wrestling observer and other websites and, and so on and so forth. But then I, I would go back to watch stuff afterward, kind of knowing what was going on, but you know, kind of uh, make sure that I was kind of taking in, what I was hearing that I should take in, if that makes any sense. For completionism, I don't think uh, I don't think it's as important. And I think you look at look at the pay per view buys for uh, for AEW, right? You have you know eight hundred fifty thousand people watching Dynamite on a Wednesday, but you have a number much less than that buying a pay per view uh, that weekend. What what kind of trying to find the gap? And I think Brandon, you and I have talked about this before. Like that giant gap. There's a lot of people that may be watching illegally. There's also some people like. I'm just going to get the results somewhere and I don't really care about watching it. You know, there are some people that are definitely completionists, but I don't think it's any different than any like TV show or anything like that. But for wrestling, I find it interesting that I think there is less of a completionism kind of approach than other forms of entertainment, put it that way. Well, and Josh, like you and I, like we have lived through and covered like the expansion of UFC. Like we were, <laughs> you know, at a point when it was not, crazy long ago when we're talking about just a handful of ufc pay-per-views a year and then they moved to monthly pay-per-views and then they introduced more fight nights and by the fox era it got into like this weekly um programming schedule and over time like you can certainly argue that it is it has panned out for ufc but that idea of that that fan who is watching every fight or every card i think that is greatly lowered and i think it is I think people really overcompensate for where a Bellator and a PFL are in relation to the UFC. To me, it's such a gulf between them when it comes to just the numbers you see that they generate. It is they have carved out the market that if you're a UFC fan, it is a job just to keep up with yeah. their schedule, much less looking for more. And I think that's something that's AEW has been able to uh, avoid that. But I think trying to crack through for any other pro wrestling content is harder than ever. Yeah, I, I completely agree with the UFC model because I know uh, I've I've run into that because especially when you have you know family and kids, there's a 
If you want to be a completionist UFC fan, you're essentially committing to what six to eight hours on a Saturday night, 44 weeks out of the year, something like that. It is not to mention the money you have to pay in pay-per-views. It is a big commitment and it's hard for, you know, it was much easier when I was a single guy and didn't have, you know, a lot of responsibilities, but now the it's, fact it's, the three of us have significant others is a modern miracle. Yeah, it is. Right. I mean, it, it's just, you know, and, and sometimes you get, you know, groups of people together to watch. I remember that during the tough era, I think like so many other people do, we romanticize the era a lot. Now it's just, I don't, it's wild to me that the, the sport is so popular in terms of the, the attendance in the arena. I mean, the, the gates are like, it blows my mind of just how big these gates are for some fights and fight nights that are not like marquee guys at all. And they're just drawing these huge gates. They seem to be uber popular. But it's uh, there's so much more to watch. And usually when that happens, you find people that are like, they get shaved off. There's like, it's too much. It's too much or too much. I think about that wrestling a lot. And I thought about that for the past couple of years, especially with the, the MLWs of the world, the NWAs of the world, even like the impacts of the world. And when I talked to Scott Demore uh, last year, I was kind of curious, you know, how do you, how do you people take into your product? Do you have an expectation? And kind of how he's talking is like, without saying it, you're essentially saying we don't really care when they watch it. We just care that they do watch it at some point. They're really an on-demand company. I don't know how long that's sustainable for all of these brands because there's more talent than ever in wrestling. We've seen that. And guys and girls floating back and forth, all these different motions have been, you know, it's been good. I think there are some some negatives to it as well that I haven't really talked about. But uh, I think with WWE and AEW, there's going to be a point their fans are like, this is too much. And if they start getting that completionist um, kind of mentality and they're like, I'm just missing too much to keep up. I'm just going to watch the big shows because I know I'm going to be entertained, but I don't know. I don't really know, need to know the storylines. I think that, that potentially could be an issue. I think we're a ways away from that, but I'm always curious about these groups on the other end of the spectrum, how they survive and kind of what their, what their expectations are to grow. Cause I think it's harder for, harder than ever for some of those other smaller groups to really, um, to really make a go of it, really make a, you know, no pun intended, an impact. At the risk of exposing myself as a fraud, I like I watch. I, I let John and Way watch Raw for me. Um, <laughs> I watch. I usually watch at least some of Dynamite Live. I on Friday nights I will often turn on SmackDown with my antenna. Um, I haven't. will probably haven't watched Rampage in months. Um, and I will often. I will usually watch Collision. Like that's usually the extent to which I'm watching wrestling as it's on TV and I'm keep, I feel like I'm keeping up with things that are important that I miss. Yeah. I, I always meant to ask you, Brandon, cause you and I, we, you talk so much about the business and you've obviously you're a wrestler yourself. <laughs> yes. Yes. We, we, we have a comment here. Phil. <laughs> all have significant others. All watch wrestling. That's right. All have no hair coincidence i don't think so yeah, it's uh yeah it's a very good uh, very good lifestyle now, john has a great hairline though he he, uh, he does he keeps I, it down uh, this is a this is a weekly uh job i keep up with i just yeah. i just got tired of uh you know tired of hair i got tired. it's so it's so freeing once Love it's gone it. we, we gotta work in josh we gotta work in you guys beard so a little bit we'll yeah. uh that, that i can't do. look at josh i mean pretty much yeah. just uh look yeah. at this winter is coming guys winter is coming uh, Brad, so I, what I was thinking of before that uh, great comment, do you, do you, do you watch wrestling? Are you able to watch wrestling for more than just the business? Are you like, are you able to get into matches and enjoy it? Or are you kind of just trying to keep pace and, and kind of like in, uh, in concert with a lot of things you talk about, like, you know, 
attendance and business metrics and things like that and kind of the feel or, or what, what, how do you take that in? This is something that's been on my mind lately. Yeah. Like I think I'm so deep into wrestling now that it has surpassed it mattering whether I like it or not. I would like to think <laughs> that like I, I, I realized that especially since I've gotten as in, in, as into doing the wrestleomics work that, and, and I have wrestled less, like I'm less interested in the quality of matches and I feel that the match quality has just, uh, my cup is, is so runneth over that there's so much good wrestling. It's like, it's not a novelty to me, really. There's so many great wrestlers and I feel like I'm so saturated by it that I, that I have lost the ability to appreciate it. So I like it. So when I watch wrestling, I'm just kind of watching it to see where they're going to go in terms of their decision-making, I guess the, the, the booking and how they're presenting stuff. And I'm not really getting into the drama, like maybe the typical fan is. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but that's, that's where, where I'm at at this point in my life. John, what about you? I know you, obviously you and way watch a ton of stuff and do some, would you find yourself, you got a similar way? Are you able to kind of watch and still, I think it feels like listening to you and, and you guys review stuff. It feels like you're still able to get in the matches and get that emotion and things like that. Is that, is that accurate? I think that generally it's like, there's always, you know, when I'm like adding up the hours on a, on a Monday and coming at like 19 between two companies. Um, yeah, it's daunting, but I would say like generally, like mo it's not like we have like this just a uh, terrible drop off between companies or that there's just, like the quality is is typically pretty good. I think WWE helps that it's largely been an upswing over this last year. I mean, I can look ahead to this weekend and yeah, it's a lot of hours, but I think NXT is going to have a really great show. I think this pay-per-view on Sunday should be excellent. So I can still get into it, but it is kind of like with Brandon, it's not so much whether I'm not enjoying it or enjoying it. It's sort of just, I'm digesting it all. And then I have to talk about it afterwards. So it's just, um, I certainly wouldn't be watching all if I didn't have to do this, I would probably be very uh, selective. Um, yeah. But I've also just committed. Um, my wife said, Hey, there's a new episode, a new season of survivor. Are you interested in like watching it together? I was like, sure. <laughs> and then finding out, do you know that this season they are presenting supersized episodes? Survivor has expanded <laughs> to 90 minutes oh weekly. It's like, Oh my God. Lucky you. 90 Love minutes you. of survivor every week. It's like, you know what? This is, I, I'm, I'm daunted by this 90 minutes. I'm like, this, this is half of one show that WWE puts out on, on a Monday <laughs> night. So that's, that's what Jeff, Jeff probe still hosting this thing. Like 23 years later, the Michael Cole of survivor. That, that is it. Let's shift over a little bit to uh, AEW. We were talking earlier about the, uh, the media call and, you know, I, Josh, you have probably uh, taken in uh, your fair share of these uh, media calls how would you suggest um, AEW move forward with its pay-per-view strategy? It's obviously expanding. The question is how much it expands and and how you assess this recent experiment of back-to-back -back weekends, like where they are, um, what they were able to achieve on those back-to-back -back weekends and the audience that does seem to be there for more pay-per-views on a routine basis. Yeah. I we're going to learn a lot this weekend. This is the third pay-per-view roughly in 30 some odd days, if I get the math right. And that's uh, at $50 a pop. That's 150 bucks you're asking for your fans in a short amount of time. For some fans, I'm sure they're like, you know, the uh, the meme, take my money, please. I'm sure they'll do that. 
but there's some others that are like, are maybe just like, I can't, I can't afford this. I'm going to start picking and choosing. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that's, that's part of kind of promotional maturity, so to speak. WWE did the same thing at some point. They went to 12 pay-per-views a year. It was a kind of a slow burn to get there. They did some experiments again with the in your house stuff and, you know, all that that have been, have been talked about before. I, what was I, the uh, peak when they did the brand split? Like how many did they get up to? Like 18, like oh, traditional right. pay-per-views. Yeah. That, yeah. I don't know how this many. This was around like 2003, 2004. At like, least 16. Yeah. It, that's isn't that insane. 16 paper. That is like, that is, that's a lot. Uh, but I think we're going to find And that's out. when we saw a breaking point. Like that was where people, you know, would skip some of the smaller shows. And then you've introduced the idea of picking and choosing. And once you've skipped one, it just seems to become easier to make those, make those choices as well. And that's, I guess what you're fighting. Yeah. And, and they're going to, they're going to learn about how much money their fans are willing to commit to spend. And so I think you guys are talking about this this week or last week. I, I may be conflating the two about essentially they're coming close to running 12 pay-per-views a year anyway, if you include the ring of honor pay-per-views and, and, uh, and so on. It's, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I'm very interested to see what this does. Cause this doesn't, I was thinking about this day. I think Danielson versus Zabre, uh, Zach Sabre Jr. is probably your de facto main event, right? At this point. Um, I don't think we know what's going to happen with Adam Cole. I guess we'll learn about that tonight, but my, my gut based on what Tony Khan said is that that match may not be happening. I, I, I it's a, the fact he said we're going to address the stats could just be a promotion for Watch Dynamite and kind of we're just going to tell you confirm that the match is happening or not. Like the concept no answers on the media calls. Tune no. in or buy the pay per view for answers. That's right. That's right. So yeah, I, I, you know, it doesn't have that. It, I, I really like the card. I don't know if it has that hundred forty thousand buy feel to me. It feels this would be a good experiment. To see if it's going to be in that one twenty range or is it going to be closer to the hundred range? Like. How much money do their fans really have to commit? We're going to learn a lot this weekend. And is this the first time, Brandon, that a pay-per-view has gone against the NFL for AEW? This is the first, I think, that they've... I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure it is, yeah. yeah. So wh- whether that's a factor or not, I guess we'll we'll see going against a, a Sunday night game. I, I don't see No Mercy being the same weekend as too much of a deterrent for people. No, but not either. It's... Um, Nonetheless, we're, we're, we're going to see if, you know, this is like, it's a great card on paper. And typically the last few days for an AEW show, they pick up a lot of steam. And, you know, if this one, I, I'm with you, Josh, I'm not feeling like 140 being w- within range, but I've also been surprised by some of the, the figures that AEW has been able to hit. Yeah. Do you, I know you guys talked about this a little bit at the, at the top of the show, the new era uh, tag. Do you think it's going to be a whole bag of nothing? Or do you think there's going to be something that will, denote um or really kind of you know enforce that yeah this really was a an announcement so to speak and i you know i I was thinking today about tony Khan announcements in the past and which ones and he hasn't really said this will be an announcement but you guys are mentioning on the call that he did he didn't really downplay it all like joked i want people to buy the pay-per-view so he wasn't really i don't think he would set people up for disappointment that bad the only announcement i can really remember in recent memory that really disappointed was the uh the reality show announcement where he's just like, oh, this is going to be, we thought it was going to be something bigger. And it's like, oh, it's a, you know, reality show on TNT. It was kind of like, okay, who, who cares? Right. Or at least I didn't, you know, I'm sure other people did as well. So I, uh, I don't think it's a merger with Ring of Honor because he talked on the call about essentially, which I kind of blows me away that he's going to have Young Bucks and Adam Page and Adam Cole and MJ potentially in ROH TV. I wonder if those are just like promos. Like he said, yeah, those guys will be on on the show. 
I, I can't see him wasting those guys for 12,000 people on honor club. You know what I mean? I just don't, I just don't see that, but still, you know, if he's committed to, to ROH still, the new Japan thing you guys talked about, that's probably not happening, but weirdly he didn't just couldn't say the word. No, I don't know if it's not his vocabulary or not. So what is it? What, what, what new era are we saying goodbye to? I, I don't, is it the Jade Cargill era? Are we officially saying goodbye? I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is, but if people come away for us being like, is it just the, like, I think there has to be something there where fans come away from being like, okay, that made sense. Cause now it's into a thing and he hasn't diffused it being a thing. So it's gotta be something. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. He's, he's willing to allow the listener to equate it to buying new Japan pro wrestling. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, what would that be? That would make it. I, that's the thing. I don't, uh, I head scratch what that could be. I don't think it's an acquisition. I don't think it's a, I don't think he announced a new media this this far out, right? I mean, it's possible, but like you mentioned, about- yeah, I wouldn't put it past him to answer all the questions the way that he did yesterday, while having a, a contract for a new media deal in his hands. That, that wouldn't that wouldn't shock me, you know. It, it would surprise me that it would be coming out so early, but it wouldn't shock me, and I wouldn't see it as inconsistent with his his the way his way of speaking yesterday. Yeah, I guess it's also weighing like certainly a a new. Um, a new media agreement with with Warner Brothers Discovery, like that's a massive, massive deal. Is it the kind of announcement that is tailored for a live audience in a in an arena that mm-hmm. are they going to go wild for? As opposed, it is to, for me. I'm ready for it. I'm excited. <laughs> you are a hundred percent. But I mean, the, the other one, and, and clearly everyone is like throwing it out is like the Adam Copeland option, and that would be one where, um, you know, that's certainly for the the live audience they would respond very well to uh, some, something like that. But, and that's a new era because you have Edge. I don't know if he would be necessarily a new era, um, but nonetheless, he would be, uh, I mean, uh, someone someone of note. But yeah, I mean, th- this is ultimately the, the strategy of throwing out all these options and hopefully people will be curious enough to tune into this pay-per-view on, on, on Sunday night and, and not be let down. I guess we'll find out tonight on Dynamite if it's Tony Khan is a huge announcement, right? I think we'll see how much they really play it up. That'll give us some sort of clue. I, I was just, when you were mentioning potential edge, which I don't know if that really kind of tied into a new era, but remember when they announced Christian Cage and there was like a, a, a lot of buzz going like, Oh, it could be, I think Kurt Angle or something like all these people. And then it was Christian and people were like, uh, oh, womp womp. You know what I mean? Like it'd be unique if it also edged. They're like, this big thing and like people be excited for edge. Like what did they have to do with the new era? And they're like, Oh, whatever. It doesn't matter if they both had a, a very similar kind of like that didn't make any sense. Like that type of reaction. Maybe they've got a hat deal with new era and they've got <laughs> you know, new customized and, and the, and yeah. the, the talent is figured into the, this. The, there's going to be revenue sharing with, with the talent as well as yeah. independent contractors. So that, that could be the answer to all of this. Um, just going back to, uh, we haven't gone through any of the, the ratings from the past couple of nights, but to me, the, the one that stood out the most was collision on Saturday night. We had, uh, 562,000 viewers and a 0.18 in the demo. And this was going against multiple college games on network television. Uh, not the least of which was, uh, Notre Dame and Ohio state that did, uh, just under 10 million viewers on, on network. And then I guess NBC was promoting across all of its platforms around 10 and a half million viewers i don't know how you take this as anything but incredibly encouraging that collision not only stayed uh, consistent with the past few weeks but this was their largest number since that hartford show with ftr against adam cole and mjf at the end of july 
And I mean, this to me is one of the more impressive collision numbers, just given the the sports competition that night. Yeah, I, I was one of the people watching Notre Dame Ohio State, and I flipped over collision afterward. I'm not a huge college football fan, but it was it was a lot of intrigue. A lot of friends are watching, talking about. So yeah, I'm going to watch um, watch part of the game. It was. Yeah, it, it's a great, it, it's great success, right? I mean, that's, this is some of these numbers. And I know, you know, historically people, uh, as you guys know, you, you focus so heavily, not you, but in general, people focus so heavily on the week to week. And sometimes you see these random anomalies, these blips mm-hmm. up or down. Like, how do you explain that? And then there's really no explanation. And then all of a sudden everything kind of goes back to normal. So I'll be interested to see, you know, a month from now or so if this number was an anomaly or if it meant something, something else, but. I mean, it's a great success for them. I think so many people, including myself, assumed that, you know, they were going to get consistently killed um, on Saturdays with all this college football competition. But, you know, maybe there's not so much of a crossover as we thought. Uh, yeah, this will be one that, you know, I think, you know, in a month from now, two months from now, we'll kind of see what the, you know, what the trends are and see how it, uh, how it performs. But, yeah, I mean, good for them. It's a good number. It'd be really interesting to see what happens this coming Saturday when they go against the NXT No Mercy show on Peacock, where we know that the main roster PLEs have taken a big bite out of them to a much greater extent than college football has. I would guess NXT is probably going to have about half the effect that a main roster show would, but it'll be curious to see how that compares to what it seems like college football is doing to it, which at least in this week, against really strong competition, it didn't, it didn't hurt it that badly. Mm. Were you looking, Josh, with, with the, the CM Punk exit, what was your thought a month ago with that news coming out of what the short-term impact would be on Collision? And do you have a different thought now that we have you know, several weeks without CM Punk of what Collision has you know, t- settled in at, like this 0.15 range and this past Saturday uh, overachieving that number? Yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't think the number is going to change that much, honestly, just because it seemed like this return... You know, the first number, if I remember collision was, was kind of decent, but ever since then, it was just kind of like, like middling. There was, it was not as high as I thought it would be. And I think there was something about this second punk run that just did not connect with some people. And I don't know if it was the, um, I don't know if it was the lack of answers that we never got, um, in terms of the, the, the prior year of investigations and all that, um, kind of the situation and so on. There's not, wasn't, Seemed was going to completely devoid of the you know the Bucks and Omega thing in terms of it seemed pretty obvious after a while that that was just never going to happen some sort of crossover between the two some sort of teasing of something that I think may have brought more people along and hooked them in like okay something's going to happen it was just a, a treated completely separate and I think there was just something that it just didn't work um, in terms of like it didn't really the lot of the people that. Um, were up on board with the CM Punk train the first time. It just didn't have that same kind of intrigue the second time around. And I guess except what the third time around actually because he was injured before it just didn't work. So I, you know, I wasn't surprised at the numbers afterward because I don't know if he really did that much to, uh, to drive them up on collision to begin with. And, you know, it's, uh, <sighs> do they miss him now? I don't, I don't think so. Like, I don't know if the attendance would be any different, you know, maybe negligible at this point. I mean, I think the attendance really hasn't, you know, talked about before. It's been down uh, across the board, but I don't know. I don't think if he, I don't know if he's really affected business that badly at this point. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I think he was by far the biggest star, but that the disparity between him and everybody else 
diminish over time. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it grew again for a couple of weeks there when he came back, but then went back to him being the, a normal part of the fabric of AEW. I think it was also greatly helped by the, the immediate return of Brian Danielson as though it was okay. Punk is gone, but here we have something to take your attention away. And he has been the focal point of collision since that it's been, you've been able to make that transition. So instead of tuning in on Saturdays and it's the show that was based around punk and now punk is gone. It's here's a show that is moving on. It's got its new central figure and they've been able to essentially not miss a beat in terms of this transition. And I think largely like we can see that the, the week to week discussion about AEW, it is, it has been a more uh, positively focused discussion rather than this, constant turmoil that was associated with this product for weeks. Yeah. And, and it, because you now have stars that can be on both, both shows, it kind of enables them to know, do some work cross promotional, but not cross promotional, but like you could see the elite on collision. It's not a case of, um, well, you know, uh, these guys can't appear to promote the pay-per-view on Sunday because punk is there. And that's a whole thing. It seems to be kind of a, a, a weight that has been lifted. Now, you know, you look back at it and I think at some point it'd be fun to kind of look back on the CM Punk run in terms of the stuff that we never got to see happen. I mean, we did get to see the Samoa Joe feud, which is cool, but we never really got to see, you know, the Danielson matches. We never got to see, even before all this stuff started with the elite, you know, some thought of, you know, is Punk versus Omega the biggest match they could make? That was some discussions I was having, you know, back in this last summer before any of this, uh, the fight and, and all that stuff really happened. So, there's a lot of things we just we never really saw with Punk. It's kind of a a, a very memorable run for so many reasons, as, as as people have talked about ad nauseum. It's unfortunate we didn't get to really see see it in full, and we just got glimpses here and there, both because of injury and both because of you know, uh, frankly, his own his own accord. Uh, yeah, it'd be fascinating to look back at this run at some point, really in depth, the matches he had and what we what could have been, you know, in so many ways. Is he getting your vote in the Observer Hall of Fame this year? I mean, he might. It's to me, he seems like a Hall of Famer. Um, I'm voting for him again. This I, I voted for him multiple years, and I I will again this year. Yeah, I don't know what the argument against him would be, right? I mean, memorable. I I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see if he goes back to WWE. That'd be another kind of fascinating story, and uh, and all that. But he's uh, yeah. It, I, I feel like he is. I, I feel I, you don't ever do it. You know, someone's not a Hall of Famer in just one match or just one uh, promo. But I think back that August when he came back and that feeling was just, uh, that's something I'll never forget. That and, clinched it. Like, I think if you were on the fence, like that, that, yeah. uh, that on its own is not going to get you in, but coupled with everything else to me, that would have been like the last hurdle that was cleared that this is a, yeah. a star at a level that, that few have been this generation. They sold out that building without ever mentioning his name and people just knew and they didn't. That was like Tony Khan gets a lot of crap for a lot of things and a lot of it rightful, a lot of it not. The way that they played that whole thing out was was perfect and they hadn't come out and just it was uh, it was a moment, one of the best moments. Uh, I can ever remember in, in rest. I'll never forget that. And it's unfortunate it ended the way that it did. We have an NXT rating here, courtesy of Sports TV Ratings. 0.18 in the demo, 636,000 viewers. Uh, number one uh, above any other sports telecast last night. So a little down from um, well, yeah, the last two weeks 20. have been pretty solid numbers, but a, a 0.18 kind of a 
kind of a return to the range that NXT has been in, but still in a, in good standing on, on Tuesday nights. I wonder, I was thinking about this today too. I wonder if that's going to get, go to streaming only, you know, if you were to do a deal package, raw and NXT together, raw stays more the cable variety, but NXT goes to a streaming platform. I wonder, uh, I keep thinking about that, that one, if it'll go to stream platform only. And two, if after the deal is made, if they're going to continue to put the effort into NXT as they have been for the last, what, six to eight months or whatever it's been, I uh, I have my doubts about that, but we'll see. Yes. You need that written to the contract. We need a minimum number of main roster talent on the show every week. That's right. That's how uh, it was like that. Uh, remember the the demon in WCW? They had the deal with, with Kiss. He's got to be in X amount of like main event matches. So they would put him in like the third match, but it would be billed as a main event. <laughs> to honor this uh this contractual obligation that they have so maybe that that'll be nxt's uh role uh but josh this has been a, a great chat with you it's always great to uh, pick your brain as well because i think we all have a very similar uh interests and when uh tell us a bit about well, what's coming up in in the near future on uh, josh nason's uh punch out and when is the next aew investors uh call well the next AEW- where can i call in uh, do, do i get the elevator music ahead of time yeah, of course. Of course. You've listened to the show. It's right at the beginning. And my wife made a guest appearance doing a voiceover on the first one. And uh, I, I, if you listen to the very end of the episode, I just asked her as we were kind of getting her, her mic, mic level set. Asked her, uh, who is her, who is her preferred wrestler or something like that? Kenny Omega or Roman Reigns? And she said, wrote, like, Rhoda Reigns? What? Like, she had no idea who any of these people were. So she had made an appearance on the show. Yeah. Zero interest in wrestling. Zero. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, uh, Catch my work at WrestlingObserver.com. Uh, we do a great, great job over there. Uh, Joe Courier, Brian Rose, Ethan Renner, Ian Carey, really, you know, the backbones of the website, the day-to-day stuff with the news and all that. Of course, you have great podcasters, Dave Meltzer, Brian Alvarez, and uh, and the group over there. I do an occasional show called Josh Nason's Punch. I don't do recap shows. I stay, uh, I pretty much try to interview interesting guests about specific topics and now shows like yours have forced me to kind of up my game a little bit uh, because you talk to a lot of great people and I'm just like, God, that'd be a good one to get to be a good one to get. So I have a couple, I am uh, very close to locking in. I'm not going to mention them because I don't want you guys to steal them, but uh, very familiar names. I'll put it that way, but you can check my work over there at wrestlingobserver.com. Uh, for those that are into indie wrestling, uh, I, I do a podcast with limitless wrestling out of Maine and they have a show coming up this weekend. You can watch on IWTV and uh, that kind of connecting with it in India and doing that for them. And with them, it's kind of re- reignited my love for like indie wrestling. And that kind of gives me that emotional pull for wrestling. Uh, you know, as we were talking about earlier, it's kind of tough with WWE and AEW. Kind of, you know, being in a room with four or 500 people and uh, and seeing some of these future future stars that we're going to see, it, it's a it's a different emotional feeling. It's really cool to, to be part of. So you can check me out, uh, Limitless Wrestling Podcast. You have to watch IWTV. I do have one prediction I also wrote down, by the Ooh, way. We love predictions. So... You guys know how uh, Nick Khan several weeks ago uh, on uh, Bill Simmons' podcast, one of the things he said, and this is not about test, I'll put it that way. He was talking about how Kevin Dunn and uh, Craig Borsari from USC have talked about, uh, have had some conversation, maybe some stuff coming out about this in uh, in the weeks ahead about how to uh, unify production, something along those lines. Yeah. I can't help but think about how much Dana White talked about the UFC Apex back when even prior to the pandemic about running all the production from there. I wonder if they're going to find some way. So WB production does not have to go out in the road for a lot of these, uh, 
weekly shows. And if they try to do something where it's from a set location, any so they can go anywhere in the world and run production right from one location versus traveling week to week, twice a week, and then three times a week for pay-per-views. That's just that's stuck in my head for whatever reason. I don't know if it's going to be at the apex, but the way that Dana White talked about that, the money savings, the fact that they can run it and and he can be he could be sitting on a couch and watching this whole thing. I am I'm wondering if they do that because that would potentially save them a ton of travel money. So just something to that I'm I would say I'm going to predict it, but pretty close. But I, I bet they're going to do something with that. Your thoughts? Is, is, that, is that technologically like feasible? To I mean, I'm just thinking with the delay that that would have with it. Well, I mean, they do it for for UFC. I don't know if they do it for every UFC show, okay. but they they didn't do it just for shows from the Apex. They were basically Data White was able to call the shots, essentially from uh, as you were saying from anywhere they want. So I'm just wondering if there's some element of that that they try to do. Um, on the production end of things. I mean, it's, I could, it's a huge reason why UFC is just so much more profitable is because like as much as Dana has been the front runner of we've got to return to normal after this pandemic, we got to get out there. It's like they they're like the only company that still is, you know, they're in the apex and they're there for a reason doing so many cards and you watch these on TV. It's like the the environment is awful, but they haven't sustained any you know, significant blowback and they save tons by running all of these cards, meeting their contractual number right out of the, the apex. And I mean, to, to a degree, it's like the performance center and the apex were godsends for these two companies during the pandemic. And the fact they had those options so readily available to run those weeks. Yeah. I, I don't know if they'll, I could see them running shows potentially there. I don't know how many, cause again, they're making so much money on the road right now. But I'm just one of the production aspect. If there's something like that where they try to centralize it and unify, that's just something that that stuck in my mind. Of like, how could they unify the production to make it to save money and and so on and so forth? I that keeps sticking in my in my head as maybe something to something to watch for as uh as the weeks go on here. We we get uh, deeper into TKO land. All right. Well, if it happens, you heard it first from Josh Nason. Okay, the new yeah, era yeah. of WWE. Could it be that's upon right. us? <laughs> but Josh, uh, we'll definitely do this again sometime, but uh, check out all of his fine work over at WrestlingObserver.com, manning the ship over there. And uh, thanks so much for uh, jumping on with us, Josh. I look forward to the next uh, investors call. Yes, yes com- coming up uh, kind of soon, Brandon, start getting those spreadsheets ready. Yes. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. The KPIs will be prepared and, and uh, we will talk then. Love those KPIs. Love it. Perfect for the fall. Perfect for the holiday season. Thank you guys so much. It's been fun. Anytime. Call me and, and I'll be here. Thanks a lot, Josh. Thanks, Josh. There you have it. Josh Nason joining us on Pollock and Thurston. And uh, any any closing uh, topics? Uh, I know I had, a, I had a few here. Can you uh, actually, uh, as one comes to mind, where where are we with WWE versus Panini, which is a case that I am greatly intrigued by. I, when I read your recap of this suit, I was just like, this is just fodder for great WWE legal drama. The judge ruled uh, on Mon- it was a Monday or f- Friday, in fact. Uh, I, I realized I had missed some filings uh, because this case is broken up between three different case numbers, which means there's three different dockets, which uh, w- wouldn't be interesting to, to anybody listening, but it makes it harder to, to track. Um, the, the judge ordered that you know the the injunction that W is trying to get against Panini to get Panini to stop selling trading cards. The judge said no to that, so Panini is going to still be able to sell WWE trading cards. Uh, we, we do have WWE's complaint where they say that 
Panini has not produced physical trading card games or digital trading cards. Um, somebody who knows more about trading cards could enlighten us, but they've, Adobe makes it sound like Panini was just taking pictures of their physical trading cards and calling those digital trading cards. Uh, <laughs> and, and there, there's this issue around this thing called box wars where people go to conventions and they play a card game using trading cards. Um, Panini says that that is a, a game. WWE says that's not a game that you created. That's just something that, you know, sort of, uh, you know, de facto consumers create out of trading cards. Uh, so that's not something that, that they have created uh, in, in accordance with the contract that they agreed to that Panini would in good faith produce physical trading cards, trading card games, and digital trading cards. So uh, that's what's happening there. So it's it's going to continue. I guess, like I said, Panini is going to continue to sell WWE officially licensed trading cards. WWE says this is going to dilute their brand. It's going to weaken their ability to to sell their licenses uh, otherwise. Um, I'm not sure about that. But, you know, if I, it, it looks like they want to go to Fanatics or at least – Panini's a lawyer for Panini wrote in a letter to a lawyer for WWE that that you're just trying to create a pretext so that you can sell your exclusive license for trading cards to, to fanatics. So, which is interesting that um, Darren Ravel included that as part of his tweet when the story was broken, that he was, you know, expects the, the license to go to, to fanatics and I, I don't know if it's going to if it is exclusive or what the exclusive ex- exclusivity terms of the contract are. The contract's out there; it's heavily redacted, but the contract is out there. Uh, it's, it's on my Twitter and a link if you want to read it. Um, so I don't know if, if fanatics can just start to to create W trading cards, or if they have to wait until this is all resolved. Yeah, and uh, and it was Chris Gullah who pointed this out, and I was not even aware of this. The fact that the UFC's trading card partner is Panini as well. So you have just um, all of this uh, intertwined together of this under this Zufa company where like one side is suing the other's trading card partner all at the same time. Yes, there's there's a lot of lawsuits that you can find between Panini and, and Fanatics with the, those two parties suing each other. Well, there you have it. All the latest on the on the WWE Panini case that we will uh, continue to follow. Um, lots of uh, lots of lots of fun legal drama. Uh, never never a shortage for WWE that they find themselves. You know, as Jerry McDevitt is on the way out, he's really missing out on some of these. I, I think he could have a great time uh, involved in a case like this. Right. So on that note, we will uh, be signing off. Uh, next week, we are back with another show every Wednesday here, 3 p.m. Eastern time. You can check this out. Tonight, Wayne and I are live right after Dynamite at 10 Eastern here on the Post YouTube channel. And then we're doing an Ask Away mailbag show for our members at postwrestlingcafe.com. That will be out on Thursday. Uh, you can submit your questions up on forum.postwrestling.com in the thread. And Brandon will be back this Sunday for... It is a free show this Sunday. Am I correct? Do I have my timing right? It is technically <laughs> the first Sunday. You're always month. ahead of me on these pl- these plugs. Is uh, is Sunday? Sunday's the first. So yes, it'll be a free show. It'll be free for everyone on YouTube. Everybody can can listen and watch. Uh, and if you like it, you should sign up to uh, Patreon.com/slash WrestleNomics and you get it every single week. Um, I've also been working in the last well, the last couple weeks, I guess. Um, do you remember the NPS studies that I haven't done since 2021? The um, net promoter score studies that that I think originally I put in one of the annual reports that I did way back when. This will be, I think, the fourth or fifth installment of basically where I, I, I've, I've 
made a Facebook ad. It's no longer running. So now I can talk about it. I, I made a Facebook ad saying, hey, here, take this survey. Um, how frequently do you watch these these shows? And I did all the W shows, all the AW shows, Impact, Ring of Honor, New Japan. Uh, and then rate how likely you would be to recommend this show to a friend. And there's something in business called a net promoter score. You do a certain formula, and that's supposed to be a predictor of consumer revenue. All right. We will get all the updates then on Sunday. YouTube.com slash WrestleNomics. You know, we didn't even get into the uh, the all-in attendance uh, that? Yes. debate. But Brandon, I think, should dive deep into it Sunday. And I think uh, – because I, I'm more so – I love the – It could be fake. It could be – could be We, a, we should wait until you get this response. But I, I more enjoyed the weekly attendance update for Chris and Jesse to uh, absorb as you, as you go through the, uh, the, the attendance update for all in. So we will continue to well, watch their, that. That's like watch their faces as I go through all of, all this minutia of, uh, of I love it. The, the WrestleMania attendance obsession. It's not my obsession. It's their, I'm doing it for their benefit. Yes. And uh, if you are not a patron, do go and listen to this past weekend show where you also not only do you get the reaction of uh, Jesse and Chris, but we also get uh, some interesting correspondence that Brandon has had uh, with the yes. Arlington police. Um, yes. Who it seems like you are really pushing towards the, uh, the brink of insanity, but you listen, <laughs> that's because he's a thorough reporter that is going to get to, to the bottom of this attendance uh, debate. So we are, we are very lucky to have a Brandon Thurston out there. All right. That is it. Thanks to everyone for tuning in live. We are back next week. And this concludes Pollock and Thurston. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.